week four in Habits of a Healthy Heart series. Uh, if you've seen uh, more than one of these in the lead up to this, just put your hand up for me so I know who I'm talking to now. All right, so there's a few of you um, that would, I just need to uh, do a very quick kind of revision of. Uh, here's, our, here's our series so far. Introduction, all of us have hearts that are diseased. That's lovely, isn't it? So we are, by, by the nature of our fallen nature and our brokenness, um, our hearts kind of want things that aren't great for us. And the Spirit of God wants to transform our hearts uh, into, with habits or with practices in our lives, motivated by the Spirit of God, that are for our good, for our hearts. And we look, we've identified four main diseases, if you like, of the heart and four remedies that the Scriptures have to offer us that um, Jesus has for us. We've looked at the first two of those diseases. The first one is guilt. That is when um, I've done something to hurt you, I owe you because of my behavior towards you. And God's answer for that, that guilt that we carry is confession, not just to him, to the one that we hurt. This is what I did to you, um, and I'm sorry. Specific, a horizontal confession as a habit uh, built into our lives um, uh, the second one, uh, the second disease that kills us in our hearts is anger. That is, when you've done something to me and I'm holding it against you. Uh, you owe me anger. Uh, and that kind of, that sits in our soul in very, really destructive ways. And God's remedy for our anger is forgiveness, which is very literally, you don't owe me anything. I cancel that debt. There's, there's no resentment left in my heart for you. I release you from any obligation for anything that you might have done to me, which is actually quite impossible without the Spirit of God, um, really. But that's what Jesus did for us, <laughs> and he wants to pour that through us to others, and that's freedom. And both those things, in confession and in forgiveness, we talked about there's little, ha- there's little ways we can build that into our lives so that we just get better at total and instant forgiveness, um, just on a daily basis, um, and horizontal confession quickly. So they're good habits to build, but we also talked about what to do when that, those things, guilt and anger, have built up in our lives and how sometimes we need professional help, counsellors, to help us work through the deeper things that way. But we're very confident, we know that Jesus wants your heart to be healthy. And you can't if you've got guilt or anger stirring away in your soul. Uh, this one, uh, this week, is a little more confronting for us. And so I'll remind you that the Spirit of God wants to get past what you think you want and into what He knows you need. If you caught that. <laughs> uh, today we are um, we're looking at what I think for our culture is the most insidious, dangerous, destructive, sneaky killer of our hearts. It's a big problem for me and probably for you too. So Luke 12, starting at verse 15, Jesus is talking to a crowd and He says, Beware! Guard against every kind of greed. Greed. Uh, This is the disease of the heart where diagnosis you can seeking the remedy for today. He said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Then this line, just life is not measured by how much you own. Just pause. Get your soul ready to hear that. Life is not measured by how much you own. But because it kind of is in the Western culture, isn't it? 
In things that count for life, Jesus says, wealth doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Um, but, but it does matter to us. And let me prove that to you. If we said, life is not measured in the color of your hair, you go, yeah, that's right. And I could bring you up on stage here, <coughs> Jamie Lee. She's got distinctive color for her hair. She could be standing here. This is Jamie Lee's hair color. <coughs> yep. And I could, there's, I won't pick on people for their hair color. <coughs> Nature does these things to us. <laughs> Uh, sometimes, but you could line up here, even if you had no hair, or wish you had more hair, we could say, life is not measured by your hair color or amount. And everyone would go, yeah, that's right. But if I went, all right, we're going to get Sheila up here, and Pam, and Troy, and I'm just going to tell you what they earn, and how much they have in the bank, and what their net worth is, just along the stage here. Everyone will go, no, you are not. No way. Why? Why? Because life is measured by how much we own in our culture. Because that's the way we keep score. That's the way we're doing all right. What will you need for your retirement? Most people will put a dollar figure on that. subtle but strong isn't it Jesus says life isn't about how much stuff you have Uh, wealth doesn't matter Uh, but it does to us and our hearts are deceitful and we often don't recognize greed Um, and we need God to examine our symptoms give us a diagnosis so what are the symptoms of greed well, a greedy heart is like a vacuum that sucks resources in towards me. The greed in our hearts assumes that all things that come to me are mine. I earn them or I deserve them. My possessions are my own. I reserve the right to use them as I see fit. When I get an unexpected bonus or a windfall, um, I go ripper and I assume that I get to use that just for me uh, as I see fit. My tax return is already accounted for before I get it. I don't know if you have that <laughs> Uh, that experience too. The money from my wage belongs to me. The extra I get belongs to me. I pretty much choose a lifestyle that uses up every dollar that comes towards me and often more than every dollar that comes towards me. Um, and sometimes the lifestyle I've chosen for myself demands more than I can uh, pull in as well. And a culture doesn't help because success is measured in the abundance of our possessions and advertisements scream that at us all day. Um, You're not rich enough yet. Successful people have more than you do. You need this car, you need this TV, you need this toy, otherwise your life isn't worth as much. So despite the fact that nearly all of us live in bigger houses or drive better cars than our parents did, uh, despite the fact that nearly every Australian is one of the richest people in the world, our hearts still hunger for more stuff, for better stuff, for upgrades. It's it's the vacuum. It's the the greed pulling in, sucking in uh, towards me. I owe me. That's greed. I owe me. Now, sometimes uh, you hear people talk about how generous Australians are. Um, I think, yeah, they are, because when we have a crisis and there's all this money leverage towards something, you get that outburst, and that's beautiful, uh, even godly, you know. Um, but usually, for our culture, if I've got, like, I earn, see, I don't even want to tell you. People tell me off for saying that. <laughs> I earn enough, right? So 
$200 is not a great deal of money in my world, but it feels like it. Because if, if I want something and it's $200, I'll work out how we're going to get that. But if I've got to give that to somebody else, it feels like a lot. You know how it feels like more when it's going that way than when it's coming this way? Because it's against the vacuum. You go like this and you're like, oh, you're fighting to kind of part with that thing. Hmm. That thing that drives greed, by the way, is usually fear. When you cut open my greedy heart, you'll find fear. Fear that God won't or doesn't want to or can't take care of me. Fear for the future. We're going to be all right. Have I got enough stored up just in case? If God won't look after me, I better look after myself. So I have to get, get, accumulate and suck in. So you don't have to feel greedy to be greedy. Most of us don't feel greedy. Most of us are more likely to feel afraid. And greed isn't necessarily a feeling. It's an action. A sick habit. So, uh, listen to what Paul says in Colossians 3. He says, So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking where? Within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater worshipping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. What does he call greed idolatry? The idolatry is when you go, instead of worshipping God, I'm going to set up this other idol over here and worship it. Greed is idolatry. It's not that we go, oh, I love money, as much as I trust that. My hope is, I know I'm secure because of that. I, uh, I look for, to that for hope and for, for significance and for identity or whatever. That's, that's what I put my hope in. That's idolatry. Not that we have it, but that we trust it. When our confidence and security and hope for the future and our identity depends on what we own. Jesus said it like this, Luke 16, No one can serve two masters, for you'll hate the one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Now, greed is idolatry. It makes us sick. And God hates greed because why? Because it robs us of life. Uh, and because of greed, that sin, that sickness that hurts us, the anger of God is coming. Now, greed won't survive into eternity. <laughs> as we become more like Christ, as we become the people that God wants us to be, as we, are, as we are changed and transformed to be fully satisfied, completed humans, there'll be no greed. God's going God's to kill that. The anger of God is coming against greed. Um, so we can't be greedy and grow in knowing Jesus. Or in as much as we're greedy, we limit the work of the Spirit um, in our lives. We've got to let God fix our hearts. So let's go back to what Jesus was saying in Luke 12. He says, Beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Then he told them a story, which is what Jesus often did. A rich man, this is verse 16 of Luke 12, a rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you've earned enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. How are you feeling about this story so far? 
because that's what I would do. You? Imagine retiring at 40 and being able to travel and do what I want. Serve when I want, but, you know, do what I want. Yep. Like, I'm already going, ooh, I don't like where this story's going. You know when the start of a story pins you down? God said to him, you fool. You'll die this very night, then who will get everything you worked for? That's a rhetorical question. You're not asking for a will there. <laughs> uh, see, because you lived like life was about how much you own. You fool. Life isn't about how much you own. And then Jesus finishes like this. Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. The problem isn't that we have money or even that we accumulate it. The problem is that we trust it and put our hope in it. We store up things for ourselves with this vacuum that sucks everything in. Uh, We store it up to protect us for the future and we don't trust God Um, Now, the guy in the story, Jesus told, where did his money come from? You know, I'm going to build bigger barns. and like He's he's agriculture. So so who made the ground? Who shines the sun? Who sends the rain? Like, who provided that? Like, wow, all this stuff has come to me. So let's just accumulate and, and, you know... Look after myself. Who's he not acknowledging in this process? The giver, God. He gets extra and he assumes it's all for him. Uh, if you've got multiple children um, and, they're, and they're young, do you go to one of them and say, here is all the chocolate. I'm trusting you to distribute it fairly among your siblings. Why does God do that with us? Uh, first time I went to Hohidiai, Indonesia, and I watched the way they lived there. And then I went to India um, a couple of years ago, and I saw that environment, and I thought, I am eating all the chocolate. Greed had us, has us eating all the chocolate. If you don't like chocolate, you'll have to supplement something else that you love in that little uh, space. Hmm. Uh, and the remedy for greed is so practical and so clear. And Jesus points to it in this summary, in his parable. He says, yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God or more literally store up treasure for themselves but not be rich towards God. What does it mean to be rich towards God? Um, How can we be rich towards God? Is God going, I need money. Give me your money. Does God need money? (laughs) Does he need anything? Is he not just pouring everything out for us? God is the giver. He's not a taker in any sense. 
He's giving, or he is sufficient in and of himself, and he's pouring out that kind of selfless love to us all day, every day. What am I going to give God? When I, when I give, when I reach towards God, what am I giving to? Others. His work. The kingdom. To see more and more people be restored in their relationship with God and find out that life is, doesn't consist of what they own. Because when we give, sometimes we say here, we're going to do our offering, we're going to give back to God, and my heart goes, no, we're not going to give back to God. I know what we mean, but we don't give anything to God. And we give it because of God. We give it, um, we give it prompted by His Spirit to others, to the work that God gives, because He's the giver, um, always. So we're rich towards God by investing in His purposes, by letting his resources flow through us, helping more and more people know Jesus better and better. Um, in the orientation of our hearts, instead of it all coming this way and being a wrench for me to put anything out, it shifts the Spirit of God, it shifts gears. And now God's resources are poured into me and, and time and my, my energy and my, my giftedness and, and what I can bring to situations and the resources that I have go this way from God to me to others. And when I keep something, that's the wrench. That just feels weird to me. Generosity. That's God's remedy for this sickness in our hearts. Generosity. To be generous, to live generously. Um, sometimes it's one-offs, like I said before, with appeals and things like that. In fact, uh, yesterday, or Friday rather, we got a call in the church here from uh, someone in Brisbane who said, I'm in a church, but my friend isn't, and she's down here because her mum, who who's been mentally unwell, has died in one of the commission homes in Warrigal in difficult circumstances. I don't know what that was. But this young adult uh, daughter has come down just for a few days to try and tidy up her mum's stuff, and the place is... A disaster zone and she's got to try and get her find out what's precious in there for her deal with the grief of losing her mum she'd be trying to get her mum to come back and stay with her in Brisbane for ages it hadn't worked out and she was completely overwhelmed and this person from Brisbane just said I just rang your number randomly and thought you know if it was my church up here we'd help out but I wondered if you guys have got anyone that you can send around I did a text to people that I I mean I could have texted any of you and if you'd been available, you would have come because we're followers of Jesus. Right? But I just did a text to uh, a few people and said, hey, can you come around? And we spent a few hours around there yesterday tidying up this uh, commission house. I took three trailer loads of rubbish to the tip. Um, by the end, the tip guys were just having um, compassion and saying, oh, look, don't just pay this little bit. <laughs> um, because they knew the story. Because generosity does that. And um, anyway... So sometimes it's one-offs. And by the way, to everyone who came and helped yesterday, yes, thank you. Um, it's beautiful. And um, in fact, what I uh, I'll use this little to say this: we want to set up a, a a community help kind of fund here, so people can contribute to it. We'll park it somewhere here where it doesn't get used for anything else. We'll put systems around it so that it can only be, you know, so it can't be abused, if you like. But for situations like that. Um, we don't have to have people worried about who's going to pay for this tip run or um, get these resources or 
uh, whatever. So if you want to contribute to something like that, then you should feel free to. Oh, um, don't yet. We'll, we'll get it set up and we'll tell you how it's all going to be accounted for. But, um, but we'd love to have that operational. And if you want to be on a list of people that can be contacted to come and help if you're available, um, then let me know because we want that list too. So sometimes generosity is in the one-offs. Yes, I can come and help um, or I can give or I can contribute to that. Um, and that's a good thing because if our hearts instinctively go, yes, I want to, then that's a good thing. That's uh, God prompting us. That's the, that's the work of the Spirit of God. He wants us to live generously. Another way, and possibly the more kind of um, heart-shifting, life-changing way, is systematic generosity. So all this money that comes into me, this percentage of it is going to go away from me straight away. I'm going to pass this on. God gave it. It's going to go. Uh, when, we, when we send buckets around, well, we don't now, uh, when we invite you to direct debit, when we want you to give here, it doesn't, um, like, I want a job. If nobody gives, I, get, I haven't got a job because my wage comes out of what uh, comes in here. Uh, but the heart behind that is that you would know Jesus and that more people would know Jesus. Now, I don't care if you give here or you give somewhere else. I just want you to give for you, for you. Um, I want us to build that habit where we are just routinely giving things away. Now, if we're not in that, um, if we're not in that habit already, it is, it's like, all right, I'm going in, in on, some of us, we're in like top gear and we're hurtling down the freeway and God says, can you just put it in reverse? And you're like, my lifestyle <laughs> has got nothing on the margins even for me to contribute to anything because I am booked up. In, my, in, in the way my money is going. That's true for a lot of us. Um, God is very gracious and he allows us to drop back. Put the brake on. Over time, drop back years until we can find the space that he wants for us. And so don't be alarmed. Just a little bit. Just take a step. Just spend a little less. Just pr- start giving a little. Um, and sometimes we're in situations where we don't control the money that comes into our household or at least... We can't make decisions entirely on our own about that. Um, but there's lots of other things that we have. We have our time. We have our friendships. We have the people that we spend time with. Be generous. Like give yourself to others. Turn up. Live generously with your, with your time, with your, with your energy, with the people that you eyeball, with the people that you include in your circle. Um, we can all live generously habitually. We can build the habit of generosity into our lives. Um, we want, we want to encourage each other to build this habit. It's so countercultural. Um, um, but, but you would be encouraged by Jesus, by the Spirit of God, to build this habit more into your life. It almost sounds nonsensical um, for our culture. But if you know Jesus and you've experienced his provision for years and you've seen how he takes care of you and you've experienced the health and joy of living generously then you'll be going amen amen it's true anyway they're my words let's listen to jesus as he wraps this up here's what happens in luke 12 he finishes talking to the crowd yeah person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with god then he turns to his disciples so now he's going to talk directly to us to followers of jesus um so if you want to you can just close your eyes i haven't got all of this on the screen And listen to this, or you can look it up yourself in verse 22 of Luke 12. 
And turning to his disciples, Jesus says, That's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you will have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear. For life is more than food and your body more than clothing. Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for God feeds them. And you are far more valuable to him than any birds. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, what's the use of worrying over bigger things? Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God so want, cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he'll certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? And don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink, and don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world, but your Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. So this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. So don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven and the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it. No moth can destroy it. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. That is, put your treasure where you want your heart to be. Hmm. So will God provide for us? Yes, he will. Where should we put our treasure? Where he says to. Who should we trust? God. Only God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this word uh, to us, to me. We recognize how far we have to go in some of these uh, habits, but we want the life that you offer us. Help us to trust you and not our money. Free our hearts from greed and help us to learn to live generous lives, generous with money, with time, with ourselves as we give our lives uh, to and for others around us. And we thank you that you fight this hard for our hearts. Help us to surrender to your care for us. In this habit, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.